Entrepreneurs will save the world. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. We focus on the mindset shifts entrepreneurs make to increase their influence and impact in the world. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope called The Dose of Hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at addvalue2life.com slash dose. Addvalue2life.com slash dose. Today's guest is Tyler Horsley. Tyler is the CEO of Nuclear Networking, an AI-driven business growth company in Denver. He's an active investor, involved in private equity, and is a thought leader and speaker on SEO, SEM, digital marketing. He has built, grown, and sold Inc. 500 companies and still believes in doing business with values first. His goal is to create prosperity for all. Tyler Horsley and Robert connect on many levels. He shares about search engine space and the challenges of digital marketing. Tyler shares how his values are the foundation for his business and the impact he wants to make in the world creating prosperity. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time and just look forward to uh, learning some digital marketing. You got it. Thanks for the invite. Happy to be here. Absolutely. I I just usually let everyone start with their own entrepreneurial journey and just share, you know, basically the life choices they made to get to where they are. Wow. That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I can give you the, uh, for, for the listeners, I'll give the, the condensed version, but um, I grew up in a family, military, federal law enforcement, and law. And so naturally, I kind of, I think everyone inherently follows the footsteps of their parents a little bit. So my first career was in federal law enforcement, worked for Department of Homeland Security, IRS, and which was as fun as it sounds, and uh, military contracting. Uh, primarily in the intelligence piece. I was a computer nerd. Uh, so, of course, naturally, I transitioned to digital marketing as everyone does in that space. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, just felt it was time for a career change. Um, I'm a very social person. I love networking, hence the name Nuclear Networking of our company. And uh, found myself completely, um, you know, enthused with the entire SEO space and how this stuff works and uh, kind of picking it apart. Um, I love doing that just by nature, kind of the engineering mindset of understanding, you know, impact, cause, effect. And yeah, self-taught actually initially. So did not go to school for marketing, uh, just learned the back-end technical side of this. And from an outside perspective, I think that brought a lot of value because I wasn't copying and pasting, you know, and rinsing and repeating the same stuff that everybody else was doing. I approached it from an entirely separate perspective, found a lot of nuances uh, to be interesting and a lot of things to be pretty monotonous and annoying. And so instead of just repeating and doing these things that people normally do in this space, I actually focused a lot on automating a lot of that. And so we, I won't dive too deep into the weeds, but we do a lot with AI, machine learning, automation, natural language processing, and more. And so, here we are. So, grew nuclear networking. I've uh, been around, uh, you know, a little over ten years, hundred percent year over year. Inc. Five hundred. We're now owned by a private equity firm, in which I'm a partner at, and just conquering the world, you know, step by step is the goal. So, nice helping. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I I just got to throw this out there because the idea of going from a, a computer geek, IT guy, that that loves networking, sounds like an oxymoron just a little bit. Yep. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, I don't know where I fit. There's, you know, like in the EOS model or traction, if anybody's read traction, it's like there's visionaries and then there's integrators and I'm somewhere in the middle. And so I have, I have a lot of vision, but I also like kind of getting my hands dirty and, you know, doing the actual type of, uh, 
yeah, the computer nerd stuff, if you will, as well as talking about it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I I like it. I think it's it's uh, it creates for an interesting mix. And of course, um, so you, you mentioned the networking side of, yeah. of the company name. So let's talk about the nuclear side of the company name. <laughs> yeah. So I, I actually came up with this name. I was working with um, a gentleman by the name of Tom Fry. Uh, as luck would have it, he's the number one futurist in the world right now. I didn't even know what a futurist was at that time. I was like, so you guys have like a crystal ball or what does this look like? Uh, no, it's like they, they're completely visionaries. They think about how Elon Musk would be a good example of a futurist mindset, where we should be in 50 years versus where we are now. And yeah, I ran the names by him and we kind of did a little exercise in nuclear, just symbolizing um you know, uh, expanding power and uh, it's probably one of the most, you know, the, the biggest uh, either power sources or capability. I think it, I guess if you think of a nuclear bomb, uh, but yeah, it's just uh, symbolizes power in the greatest way. <laughs> so. Well, I like it. Well, and yeah, the whole conversation about futurists is, is definitely an interesting, I know, yeah. <laughs> an interesting direction there. Right? The, the, the combination of, historical factors in crystal ball and and some other voodoo magic that yeah. helps them come up with what they what they they predict exactly um, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's almost like memory for those of us that don't you know have amazing memories the people that can you know name everybody in an entire room you're like wait what yeah i know <laughs> i remember faces i'm like hey you we we met once <laughs> so yeah the funnier line is I remember your name, but I can't put your face to it. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. So, obviously, in your line of work, connections are, are really important. So, let, let's talk about the value of connections, the value of, of making connections. Obviously, networking was important to you. Yeah. So, let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, just connections as a whole and networking as a whole, there's a lot of cliche. I don't think they're quite cliche yet. I don't think they're too overused, but network defines net worth. Uh, that one, That's one that I've really held tightly to. And not simply who you know, uh, because that puts the ownership on either A, the other person that you know, or B, completely eliminates accountability for yourself. You can go hang out with rich, successful people. It doesn't mean you're going to be rich and successful. You have to actually exert energy, take accountability for your own actions and, you know, do these things that these principles that were once well known. But I do think that if you're already built uh, to achieve and you, you know, it's going to like one of the videos, that if you, there's something greater for yourself than what you're living now, it is important to surround yourself with those people who have already jumped over those hurdles. They've already gone through massive amounts of stress in life, which this world is like the podcast world. You get the best version of people, but what you don't see is like, you know, the seven years of scraping by and like bootstrapping everything and trying to wing it and, you know, learning on the fly and, you know, people are angry with you and all the stuff, right? And so if, if you can hang out with people who have already gone through this, you will save yourself a lot of pain. You'll accelerate your learning. Uh, and then certainly you'll open yourself up to a lot more opportunities. So huge fan of networking. Another final term I'll finish with that is proximity is power. So if you're with these people who are influencers in specific states, um, you know, your likelihood of success is going to increase exponentially. So that's been a huge focus of mine outside of learning is just trying to surround myself with the right people uh, who, who kind of fit that tribe. You know, they're just like me. They're weird, but they're also doing as much as they can in life and doing it well. So. Well, and, and obviously, I think, you know, the, the you mentioned accountability and some of those things, but just the energy of, of being in a room of those kind of people yeah. takes you to another level. And, yep. and, and, and of course, it'll take your ideas to another level. And so your your brain engages in a, in a room full of those kind of people at a different frequency in a different way. Um, and yes. so especially the more you can interact and the more you can, you know, yeah. be willing to ask questions. I think I think that's a challenge for many entrepreneurs is they started their business thinking, oh, I know what I'm doing. And yeah. then this idea that they have to know all the aspects of what they're doing and, and not be willing to say, well, I don't know what I'm doing with this accounting or I don't know what I'm doing with this thing or I don't even have a clue what the heck SEO is or how that works. Yeah. 
you know, and being willing to say, I don't know, can you help me? Yeah. <laughs> it's a leap, right? To go from that independent spirit to say, how, how, how do I ask for help? How do I, you know, put myself out there and say, uh, uh, I don't know this part. Right. It is. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty big leap. And I think a lot of people, I guess, just a quick experience here is like, you'd want to hang out with successful people and or people who are doing similar things that you're doing so you can learn from them to, to that point. But another thing that we kind of lose that is still valuable is to your point, the energy. So I didn't used to use language like energy back in the day and, you know, fill in the blank on whatever past anybody here has that's listening to this. But it's for me, it sounded kind of hippie-ish. I'm like, well, what does that mean? It's like, man, I use that a lot more often than I'd ever thought that I would now because it's something that's hard to explain when you meet a certain person and you guys are on the same wavelength and you just click and things begin to bloom. I think there's immeasurable, um, you know, actions and reactions that we just haven't yet conceived. Maybe technology is helpful, maybe it's a distraction, but uh, there's something there. And so, yeah, when you're in those rooms, it's not only just to learn and gain value, to give others, but it also helps with, I think, motivation and overall joy. When you're an entrepreneur and you continue to try to get up and sprint and fall flat on your face over and over and over again, if you're siloed, that can get really depressing and might lose faith and you might lose, you know, fill in the blank. But if you're with other people, it's like, oh, yeah, I've had that happen like 18 times. And here's what I did to fix it. You don't feel alone. You know, they can offer you help. You feel comfortable being vulnerable because, you know, they're there to, to support you, not judge you. So it's certainly I'd recommend that for everybody. Oh, there's a there's a lot of good in that. And and just one more example of nuclear, right? The the energy and the, the power created and recognizing the actions and reactions. Uh, right. Pretty, sure. pretty powerful language. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. You mentioned in there. um just that idea of learning from others. Um, I like to call it the borrowed, borrowed belief, right? When you don't have enough strength to believe in yourself, you need people yeah. around you that, that you can borrow their belief that they're just willing to put the pat, you know, pat you on the back and say, you got this. Don't, don't yep. quit yet. Yep. That's good. Yeah. I've not heard that before that it, it makes sense. Yeah. Borrowed belief. It's uh it's needed sometimes because we have voices in our head, you know, that tell you false stories. So it's important to have affirmation and, and other same people watching you that can kind of build you back up when you can't carry yourself. So let's talk about uh, the, the next level of connection in, in mentors and, and finding mentors that serve you. Yeah. Um, something that this, this is my experience. This may not be you know, everyone's. And so I'll kind of start backwards. So the simple answer is mentorship is absolutely the key to success. So there's the simple answer. But the more difficult question is like, okay, well, how do you find mentors? So what I can tell you from like a business perspective, you know, for any SMDs out there, the SDA actually has a program that at least for me wasn't, wasn't well promoted because I didn't even know it existed, but you can, you could apply for a free mentor. Now, in my personal experience, these aren't people who I think the real growth comes from like real relationships, not just do you have QuickBooks set up? Great job, Tyler. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like coffee. How's your family? How does your family intertwine with the work? Does your wife know you're crazy yet because you're an entrepreneur and you're not? I mean, like you are literally less than one percent of the entire population, and then a percentage of that is actually doing it and and succeeding and that's not a normal person. And, you know, so expectations, family and business and all these things kind of mesh together. So, I mean, there's certainly like professional resources uh, and some of which I probably haven't explored enough ways that I've enjoyed or, or found success in finding mentorship is like, well, what is mentorship? And, and if it's just learning from somebody else, then that could actually mean learning from somebody who knows less than you. And so I think that mentoring someone and teaching is a good way to learn yourself because you actually have to know what you're teaching. And so I've done a lot of speaking and panels and podcasts and, you know, I'm mentoring other individuals who are just starting up there. You know, I sit on a couple of boards of companies um, 
who are trying to get into the space. And so that really helps polish and sharpen my knowledge because I have to stay fresh on that in order to be able to convey that and translate that in a way that they can digest. So that's one. Two is like peer mentorship. So I've joined, you know, a local group. This is not a plug by any means. I don't get commission, you know, but I, I found EO entrepreneurs organization to be pretty impactful for me. And it is basically, you know, there's a hundred, I'll just speak to my experience. Like I'm in uh, Colorado. There's 150 plus members going to 200 very quickly. And you have to meet a specific criteria. Maybe you need to be doing 1.2 million or more just to be considered. And then they, you know, they kind of pick and choose, which is cool. I appreciate that. And, and I hope everyone else appreciates that too, because if just like your workplace, you need to protect your culture. So they make sure that like you're a good fit, they can bring value to your life. You might be able to bring value to theirs as well, then you're in. So they pair you with seven to nine other people in completely different industries, like apartment investors and construction company owners and AI developers and a law firm, you know, whatever. And you get, you know, one of the pieces that they have there that brought me a lot of value is forum. I'm still in. And so I'll meet with these people for four to six hours a month in a room, no phones, locked doors. You talk about the top 5% and the bottom 5%. Like my whole home just burned down. I lost everything in my life. What do I do? Or I just won $20 million and I can't tell anyone in my family because they don't know how the concept of money and I don't want them to resent me. What do I do? It's like people you, it's called intimacy. Like you really connect quickly, but it's people who can handle it. It's all confidential. And then you get to learn from other people's experiences who are literally going through the same walks that you are. Lastly, for mentorship, the ways that I've met the best mentors in my life is by saying yes and walking through doors that are open. So I, I did this exercise with my wife, you know, a week or two back. I'm like, man, this person, Pete, who is like this really influential person in my life, almost like a father figure at this point. Uh, how did I meet him? Well, I met him through, you know, Ira. And then I met Ira through a referral from this person, you know, Kelly. And then how did I meet Kelly? Well, actually, I got into like a, an odd scuffle with somebody in my family. And was like, I'm no longer hosting your website. You need to go meet so-and-so. I Googled the first person who showed up. It's Kelly. Who would have thought? Like a little, little bit of a scuffle. I meet so-and-so who introduces me so-and-so. And fast forward a year later, I have the best mentor of my life. So just show up. You know, show up to places, don't be shy, say hi, always say yes, give back. You don't always need to go. I don't always need to go to places to win new business. It's like there's so much more value in life than that. And, and I know it's hard to see that when you're starting a company because you, you have to pay bills. But um, man, the most value you're going to get is by not focusing on business and just focusing on relationships. Business will come. So there's a long winded answer for you. Oh man, you touched on you touched on some really good stuff in there. So, so first, I want to hit the hit the family thing, and one of the things that I try to help work with folks is basically yeah. designing their life and then building their business around it, and and choosing where they want to put their boundaries. And so, you mentioned you know mentors helping you in in asking you about your family and asking you about you know some of the hard stuff. And so, and the craziness of being an entrepreneur. So, so let's talk about the boundaries that that are important to you, and as far as running your business and and taking care of your family. Um, boundaries that are important to me. So I think, um, and I overthink these things. I listen to a lot of philosopher types in our modern day, deep thinkers, whatever you want to call it. And so I preface everything to not assume that everybody's starting in the same area that I am, or world the same way. So anyway, all the disclaimers aside. I think the values matter. So it's like, what are your values? So I'll just talk about mine. I did come from a family that values the nuclear family. Um, I did come a fam from a family that, you know, fortunately, at least for the time, and, and this would, you know, it changed later, but at least for the time that I was in the home, I had two parents in the home and I had siblings. And so like, I saw what a family could be. And then of course later, because I'm a data nerd, I'm actually looking at statistics and I'm like, well, you know, environments tend to result in more successful, you know, opportunities for people versus others. Not to say that you couldn't achieve, you know, somebody from a 
whatever, a comfortable family, you fill in the blank of what that looks like for you. Two parents in the home, wealthy, blah, 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 which I did not come from. They could easily mess up their life and it, it could crash and burn. Somebody from the opposite of that could easily like work their way out of that and become something great. But there are certainly barriers that make it more difficult. Like if you're starting from one area versus another, like it's gonna be harder, right? And so it's important for me and especially in the business world, and for those listening who who have been, it's like the more opportunity, there's more stuff that comes with that too. Certainly more responsibility, but just being real, there's more temptation. There's more that you. I never thought about this when I was in college, and now all of a sudden this is an opportunity. You know, um, so there's a lot of things you need to really find out. And I think that comes back down to like, what are your values first and foremost? before you can determine what the right fit is for a work-life balance, which is, I think, the root of the, the question. And so for me, my values are family. That's how I was raised. It tended to work out well for everyone in my life circle that also values those things. They're not dealing with expensive divorce. They're not dealing with massive amounts of hurt and pain. It tends to be an easier path from what I've seen, data. And so I, I make it a point to only work, this is a privilege, I just want to point this out because when you're starting a company, none of this stuff is possible. So let, let me just preface with that. I'm working 12 hour days, I'm doing anything I can to like get this thing off the ground, I'm stressed, I'm eating ramen, you know, all the things. But what you need to aim for, because there are seasons of sprinting, like you need to do the hard work to build something, do the hard work to build a boat, then you can sail, right? So for me, I don't work past five, um, that's a, a clear boundary. Some gray area there is if it's socials, if it's a happy hour or something like that, we do that. No real work after five. I don't work on weekends. I won't do it. And I used to, and I had to set up a guideline for myself. Um, not only does that cause issues with family, but worse, if you don't have a spouse or a significant other to tell you, get off your phone, man, it's going to cause you some damage that you don't even realize at the time because you can't ever connect. You're not healing, you're not rejuvenating, um, you know, you're just always in on mode all the time and I'm sure people can relate to that. So no weekends, nothing after five, which I found ironic because starting my own company was a dream and I basically worked my way into a nine to five. So it's a little bit of a joke, but it's like weird. So so oddly, you know, EOS and others, you can delegate and you know, we can talk about that later, but those are my boundaries right now. And then just with my significant other, we do one date night a week. So, you know, because I am very much still in work mode when I come home, I'm running a million miles an hour, and then I'm supposed to just stop and then be happy to talk about my day. And I don't want to do that sometimes. So it's, yeah, I just take courses on this stuff and we do stuff together like that. But those are kind of the main guidelines that I use for now. All right. I like that. So the, the date night a week is, is pretty important. So, What's your what's your most memorable date? Most memorable date? Hmm. I I kind of like um, I like spontaneous stuff. So, and and primarily because one, I like having fun. Two, I'm a little mischievous, but I tend to use that for good, uh, and it motivates me. I love humor. But three, I think the biggest reason behind like this spontaneity is I spend every day of my life planning quickly, hyper-organizing and making sure everybody is doing what they're supposed to do and everything gets done. The last thing I want to do is over-plan my personal life. And so the most recent thing that sticks out to me is like, my wife and I just decided ad hoc to go see Doctor Strange too. It's like, done. We're going to a movie tonight, we're gonna to grab dinner and just wing it and whatever. Those are my favorite date nights. <laughs> That's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to, you know, obviously you've chosen what's important and you're, you're putting boundaries around that, including your weekends, which protects yourself and your family. Um, you know, one of the things that most recently and, and part of it's just my relationship with my wife and, and, and my understanding, I, I believe in the power of the marriage mastermind and, yeah. and the fact that, that being married makes me better, regardless of whether my wife participates in or, or doesn't participate in. But 
but who she is as a person makes me makes me better. Would you like to speak to that in, in your life? Yes. Yeah. And I also just want to clarify because you're saying all the good stuff first and, and you're right. Like that's the end journey and that's the goal and that's the realization that one should have a successful marriage. I didn't see that right out of the gate. I was selfish. I'm entitled. You know, I'm like a individual who's going to conquer the world and I've done well without you. So jump on the boat. You know, you can certainly you can, you know, do life with me type stuff. Um, and it's still hard. So those things are true simultaneously because I think like the whatever you know could be deeper than we need to go. But it's like the old self must die, you know, and you must grow into kind of a new version of yourself. There you go. So like, and that's also been taught to me growing up too um, through other channels. But uh, yeah, it takes learning, and there's fear behind it. But then when you actually start asking, like, what's underneath that fear? Why are you so afraid, Tyler? You're not afraid of anything. It's like, well, I don't want to lose whatever this is that's making me succeed, this stuff that drives me. And I feel like if I give up control and I have to let other people in my life, other people who might tell me what to do, you know, then I may not have what I have now. But to your point, yeah, it's like, let go. Let go for one, you committed. So honor your commitment, right? But for two, yeah, I would agree with you. These, the spouse, that partner makes you a better person. And, and this is more of like DNAs and laws of attraction and more. This is true for me. I don't know if it's true for you, but like my spouse is the complete opposite of me in every way. Like I'm go better, hypersocial, achiever. I could win or lose 10 million tomorrow. She wouldn't care. Like, great, good job. You got it. Anyway, what do you want to eat for dinner? Like, it's a non-issue, and that's really cool because some people have the opposite, where it's just all about money, and they're like just begging to be approved or be approved in their marriage, and that that gets tough. I've met those people too, but I mean, they make you a better person. And and I guess the way that you could probably ask is like, if I didn't have this person in my life, who would I be now? Like, that that could be a dangerous person because. Just kind of forced accountability there but it's for good and the fact that you're resisting that means it's good and you should you know what i mean it's like yeah i do i i, I appreciate you you going to the vulnerable place and and recognizing your your own journey of growth in there because yeah. i certainly i certainly had mine my um in fact i i failed my high school sweetheart while i was yeah. in the marine corps and and yeah. uh, and wasn't the husband i needed to be and yep. and and in the beginning of this relationship, I certainly probably wasn't the husband that I should have been, and certainly not the husband I am now after thirty years. Um, right. But but I experienced unconditional love, and I experienced a partner who's in it for right. our relationship and not in it for the money we could make or the the house we could have. Or and right. the cool thing is we have some of those things, and and but they're not necessary. They're not a part of they're not the relationship's not conditional on those things and right. so you know but but i recognize how i am a better man and i am a better business servant because yeah. of because of how my wife empowers me and so yeah. appreciate you, you you go into that space of all right it's not always like this kind of like the business right hey those early days you're gonna have to bust your hump to to make it work and and less than one percent try and a whole bunch of those you know don't make it and but yeah. I, I i like to talk about the entrepreneurial line that that yeah. there's this line in the sand that that once you cross it you're unemployable like, yeah. like nobody nobody is going to hire this guy because he won't listen to anybody because he just knows too much yeah yeah i think there's i mean there's certainly truth to that right there's variables because i i like there's ego, which I, I think people can put ego aside, but to your point, it's like, that's a common phrase. Like you are literally unemployable. Well, why is that? Well, the next employer might want to hyper control you and make you come in every morning exactly at seven and you need to dress in this exact, I wear this because I want to. Like we have a thing to do and I. So it's like, why am I not in a t-shirt? Yeah, I'm, what the, you know what I mean? But it's, uh, there's all these other nuances that you and I would know immediately that doesn't instill productivity. 
The fact that somebody is constantly reaming you about your dress code, I get it. There's perspective, right? So if, if clients are coming into your office and you need to look a certain way, do that because you want to emit a positioning of professionalism. But at the same point in time, it's like, man, is that is that the root cause of why your business isn't succeeding? Because so-and-so wore sweatpants? Probably not. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon. Or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. But um, one quick thing, uh, if you don't mind, you had mentioned just your past. And, and since I, I share a little bit of that in the military contracting, and it's good to have extreme ownership like Jocko, you know, like he's all about extreme ownership. I've seen other groups about extreme ownership and accountability. Why didn't I work out yesterday? Oh, I was too busy at work. No, what did I choose to do instead? Well, I chose to do a little bit of extra stuff and actually I ended up going home and watching Netflix. Well, where else does that show up in your life? What's underneath that? You start really digging down and it's like, dang, it shows up everywhere. I always let myself down. I serve others for me. You know, you can go, but, but what I also want to point out is your environment, while you can kind of choose that, also you need to be careful so it's like that old song, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little ears what you hear, all that stuff. You're in the Marines. I'll just tell you from personal experience, a group of like testosterone driven men won't be the best place to promote family values. Just guessing from experience. And same in business. There are business circles where people have more money than they know what to do with. And boundaries, call them moral boundaries, they start becoming gray or blurrier so i think being with another person having that life partner that it kind of keeps you accountable for not going and doing dumb stuff <laughs> because it's like maybe you won't be in that situation again to begin with uh you're certainly not strong enough to just build up your mind to where you're invincible and nothing no it's like what you learn at least for me as i get older is it's not about learning how to conquer these demons it's learning how to build like 28 walls so you don't even have to. It's right. like stay away from that entirely because I suck and I'm gonna fail. So or well, and that's and that's the being willing to put up boundaries, right? Right. You know, for me, early in ministry, we had a boundary that I couldn't speak to women alone in my office. Yeah. And 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 that's a boundary that that I've honored. And now I'm at a point in my life where whatever. And my wife's at a point in our relationship, she's whatever, right? Sure. Because there's a there's a, a significantly higher level of trust. And it, yeah. that doesn't mean that the temptations aren't real out right. there. I, I'm just in a different place in my life than I was in my twenties or thirties, <laughs> you know? And so it's, it, yeah. it, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other temptations you know, sure. that, that, that have to be avoided. And the cool thing is because we've had this, this level of maturity, but we've also had tons of communication. And yeah. so when those things come up, now we just talk about them. There's no longer any, you know, I'm, I'm not keeping secrets. I'm not hiding stuff because I don't, I don't need to. You mentioned something really cool in there talking about culture and, and the culture of companies. Um, and obviously now your company's at a place where you have employees and you, you have people working for you, you have people selling for you. And even though they're not selling, right. They're, they're, they're educating and, sure. and helping people see, right. You know, yeah. Hey, this is what we offer. If it's not clear to you that this can help you, then, you know, I'm not going to twist your arm to take it. Right. But, right. but that's a culture lesson. So let's talk about maintaining the culture that, that you design for your company. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to keep coattailing, but like things stick out to me that I just want to kind of mention to affirm what you're saying and then kind of roll that into culture. Uh, and by no means is this a political statement or anything like that. I just, this was brought up in my EO forum and somebody had mentioned your exact example. Like, do you know Mike Pence <laughs> ride in another vehicle with a woman or be alone with a woman? Like how, how insane do you have to be? Like, is he just desperate for blah, blah, blah. And the things 
you know, perception is one thing because certain people obviously see the world through their own political filters, their own ideologies, their own now, unfortunately, whatever the news tells them to believe. But something that I found really interesting about that is like, politics aside, you have a person in power. What other presidents in the past have been alone with women in their office and how did that turn out? <laughs> so throwing that out there, if you want to throw stones, throw the stone at the guy who actually failed. And not not really. You should, you know, we're not talking about forgiveness and all these things, but like for somebody to say, I'm gonna put this rule in my life to prevent that from ever happening, I don't look at them as like disabled or or unable to control themselves. I see two things. Like one, why even bother like making that an issue? More importantly, too, if you're in the limelight, especially politics. People already lie about everyone, anything they can do to gain an inch, they will lie and slaughter you. If you're gonna let somebody in your office where nobody was there and it's that person's word against yours, good luck, man. Like I wouldn't put myself in that situation either just for the simple political like ramifications that could come with that. So, and then to your point outside of like why you might do those things professionally and why you might respect other people's boundaries, everybody's different, right? Like we have alcoholism in our family I fortunately don't struggle with that particular thing, but it's like, I can go to a bar, I'm okay. I'm not gonna drag that person to the bar, put a beer in front of them and go, why can't, why don't you have self-discipline? It's like, geez, man, everybody's right. something. So, so you're, what, you're, what you're hitting on is, is really important. And it's kind of like, you know, raising kids. Now I can either raise my kids with a bunch of rules that I wanna put down, or I can raise my kids with guardrails that, that, that'll protect them. And if they see them as guardrails, they're far more likely to say, okay, those exist to keep me on the road yeah. rather than this overabiding rules. Cause what do all the politicians make? They make rules and then they try to get everybody to follow these rules. So yeah. when a politician has a guideline in his life, that's there to protect him and his marriage, protect what's important to him. Isn't it funny that we want to attack him for that? No, for <laughs> or something. And it's like, Maybe we're the ones who aren't seeing things straight. We all need boundaries. That's the greatest. So, so I, I, this is another tangent, but the idea of freedom and the yeah. idea that freedom is, is this liberty without, without rules, right? Is this right. liberty without guidelines, but the truest freedom is freedom within, within boundaries. Right. <laughs> and, and I have more freedom within the boundaries I've created in my life, the boundaries I've created for my children and and they have a far stronger respect for me because that set them up as adults to yeah. be prepared to deal with stuff like we had a boundary we had a rule it was it was boundary rule that if they drank and I, and I knew that obviously kids are going to drink they're they're kids in a in a right. culture of drinkers that and so here's the rule if you drink you either stay there or you get a ride right i'm not going to tell you don't drink cuz i obviously they're going to drink Right. So, so this is the rule, stay there or don't drive it. And neither one of my kids ever had an issue with alcohol. They spent the night right. at a friend's house. They got a ride, whatever. But that's a rule that in our culture would protect so many people from a DUI, from something stupid happening in their life yeah. because we make bad choices when we drink. And so set the boundary up before it happens. And then they can honor the boundary. And guess what? When they call and say, Hey dad, I'm staying. Cause I've had a drink. We don't have a fight over the drink. We have a, Hey, appreciate you calling. Thanks for letting me know. I appreciate you honoring that boundary. Right. And everybody's happy. Everybody's safe. That's what boundaries are supposed to do. Instead of be these rules that, that get used against you. That's yeah. I love that Mike Pence put that out there and told people about it and, and honored it, you know, and it's not hard and fast. I worked, we were missionaries in South America and we had a doctor that was on our team. And sometimes we, we worked out in rural spots and I had to give her a ride. But you know what? Yeah. I honored the boundary by calling my wife on the phone and saying, hey, honey, guess what? I, you know, Martha's up here with us. She doesn't have a ride back down. I'm going to give her a ride home and we should yeah. be down in about 30 minutes. So she yeah. knows we're not stopping at a hotel or somewhere because who would have yeah. the nerve to call her wife and say, I'm giving her a ride and, and she's going to be at the hotel. You know, obviously yeah. you're protecting her, you're protecting your relationship and it's a matter of communication. But the boundary is why you make the call. Right. It yeah. is bigger, just, just, uh, so I, I think something simple too. And for all the listeners, like it's going to be different for everybody. And, and it's, ironic. Well, it should be, it, it should be totally. We're very unique people. So it's, 
And by the way, maybe you don't have an issue. Maybe, maybe, you know, your spouse had an experience when they were younger. And so now because you're in a sacrificial relationship, you do things for them. It's not absolutely. For you. So, so all these like variables exist. Things that I find really um, distracting, destructive, prohibitive are funneling or putting things in a specific vertical of a belief system and then completely eliminating rationale or reasoning behind it. Quick example, back to the Pence thing. The moment I said his name, part of the audience shut their ears. Because it's like, oh, he's a Republican. I'm a Democrat. So, dude, you know what? If, if your cousin was an addict and they were going to AA and they refused to go to bars, you would praise them. And you would say, well done, man. I love you. Good job. You're so strong. Look at your 10-year chip. And you would you'd be happy for them. And yet when somebody else does it from the other side of the aisle, you yeah, you mock them. And so it's just odd. But to your point, it's like, how could we as a society change these from rules to better ways to live? You know what I mean? Because it's like, you can go eat 24 donuts an hour for the next three days. If you want, you're free to do that. I'm not telling you it's a rule not to, but I am telling you, you will probably be in cardiac arrest. You will probably be wildly unhealthy. So I think we're in a culture now where if anyone makes recommendations on a better way to live, they immediately reposition it as you're trying to take my rights. And it's like, okay, like do whatever you want. It is a free country, but there are proven better ways to live. And ultimately it's to improve your happiness and, and the short life that you have. So I don't know. Yeah, well, true freedom, true freedom is really the freedom to help each other and serve each other. Whereas now they want freedom to be my right to destroy and hurt other people, which obviously isn't freedom. <laughs> it's enslavement. Yeah. And, and, and so we have to, there have to be boundaries. And we all, we, everybody knows that you can't raise yeah. your kids without boundaries because then your kids become terrible adults. <laughs> and so. Yeah. I think I was going to be one of those kids if I wasn't punished because I was an absolute troublemaker when I was a child. Big you time. and me both. Yeah, the fact that I even went to federal law enforcement, everybody was like, what? Because I was, you know, cop car by 17, mischievous, doing stuff, throwing eggs. You know, I was that kid. Yeah. <laughs> so well, Most of my high school friends have still in disbelief. You're a pastor at a church? Yeah. <laughs> Do those people yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, so, be better. <laughs> we were talking about culture and, and being able to yeah. protect the culture of a company. So let's talk about what, what things yeah. you've done to, to maintain the culture that you want at, at Nuclear Networking. Thanks for uh, bringing us back on track. Because one thing about founders is most of us have ADHD. So anyway. <laughs> um, so protecting culture at a company. So for one... So, so things I've done. So one, I was like, when, when I first started this, most founders that are focused on building up the bottom line are focused on revenue. It's like, I need to feed my family and keep the lights on. And so that's number one. You're not really thinking about culture. What I naturally moved into and in the way I came to adopt like the awareness of culture was... Like, I want to take care of these people who trust me to keep their bills paid. Um, I had a really odd realization when I had turned, whatever it was, 30, 32. I'm like, holy cow, I'm supporting people in their 50s and 60s with full families at home and their retirements and their this and their that. That is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I noticed those things and I'm like, how can I take care of them? And so I started submitting for feedback, right? It's like, well, you guys, and obviously like I'm not, didn't immediately have a company of 500 people or anything. This was easy to do. Walk across, like, hey, Don, how is life? You know, so really easy, but it's, it's basic, like have an awareness that other people are there, not only to hold the structure up of your business, but they too have their own struggles, diseases, pain, happiness, life, you know, all these things. So just conversing about that initially kind of, you know, uh, raised my awareness for those things. And then all of a sudden somebody's like, Hey, that's, that's literally called like, you're, you're great at culture. And I'm like, that's what that is. Okay, cool. Well, this great people. So 
you know, there are systems for that. We've implemented EOS traction. Um, and it's just basically a methodology for first defining values, which I think people should do on their own in life. Kind of like that family thing we talked about earlier. Like, what are your values? What's really important to you? Not what are you against? Because that's really easy to shout at the rooftops very clearly. What are you for? What are you doing to positively impact that? Everyone can be angry at something, but what are you passionate about? Like, let's talk about those things. And so we defined our values as a company, how we treat people, how we want to be treated. And this system allowed us an actual grading scale. And if you know the system, you either get a plus, if you're nailing it, it's just like being in kindergarten, five stars, great job, or one star, come on, Timmy, you know? And so we have a plus if you're nailing it, a plus minus if you're kind of 50-50, and a minus is like, gotta correct this, we have 30 days to correct this because it's a really big deal because if you come to work toxic, you're allowed to have a, a bad situations in life. That's gonna happen and you're allowed to feel bad about that. But I'm talking like, you never have your teams back. You don't care about your clients. You don't, you're just here for money. Not okay. Like we will fire people on values alone. I don't care if they're the smartest person in the world. If they don't have the right values, they don't work here. If we find out later that their values change, they don't work here. And it's a very measurable agreement that we have right up front. There's no variables to it. It's not Tyler's opinion or, you know, Jenny's opinion of you. It's like, hey, this is very plus, minus, minus, and here are the things that you do to exhibit that you have those values. So it's measurable and HR proof, by the way. So that's important. So that's what we've done to kind of maintain culture, but culture changes. You know, you're going to bring somebody else on who's like a rock star, like, whoa, why do I like that person so much? They have great energy, positive energy. Maybe that could be one of our values. Like, how do we, how do we make that contagious for everyone else? So anyway, that's, that's a little about what we've done to preserve culture here and, and continue refining it. Well, I love Gina Wickman and, and Traction, so definitely oh, yeah. great you tools to, to use. Um, but but just the fact that your intention, you know, you have intentionality in that. And and having yeah. that intentionality as a, as a person, you mentioned all everybody should should know their values. And the truth is, most people don't. They um, they don't know their values and they don't know what they believe about the right. world or about themselves. Or, or they don't question the beliefs that have been handed to them by their parents, by their teachers, by, and then when they run up against that, whether it's a limiting belief or, or oh, I thought I, I thought that was true, right? <laughs> and and then as an adult, that those things break down and and they don't mm -hmm. know what to do because <laughs> they've never they've never they've never questioned a belief or or had the ability to, well, if I really believe that, why do I believe it, right? And and challenge right. it a little bit so that they. They, ha they have it on a solid, you know, something solid rather than, you know, their whole life has been built on sand. Hmm. Heard yeah. that lesson before. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. It's, it's not, unfortunately, it's not, apparently it's not in the political um, agenda for people to think more deeply about what's important to them in life and why they believe what they believe. Cause it's really easy. It's, it's primitive nature to get people riled up about stuff like that's easy um it's been done a million times in history in the past like the fact that we are not even seeing this is like also reveals another problem we have no idea about any history on all sides but it's like but crowd you, crowd think crowd think is like you said it's it's easy it's it's stupid like i mean obviously you're you're here in colorado i don't know I mean, we win a Super Bowl, we, we win a, a Stanley Cup, we flip cars over downtown and burn things. Like, how, how is how is that celebration, right? Crowds are stupid. <laughs> we, we, we know crowds are stupid, but individuals shouldn't be. <laughs> and, and, right. and at some point, individuals should be able to look at the crowd and go, wait, what? <laughs> why are we why are we wrecking people's property over a celebration? I mean, I get wrecking people's property when we're pissed off, but yeah. we wreck property when we're happy. Like this is human brain. Yeah, the human brain is is incredibly dumb when it comes to crowds. It is. It's uh chemicals too, right? Because it's um, I mean, any of us at any given time, and I went through a time in my life where my chemicals were way off. I only had almost had a total adrenal failure incident. Whew. It changes you, man. And I had brand new respect for people who, you know, say that they suffer from those types of things. Um, but well, and, yeah, yeah. Just on the brain side, 
I, I mean, I, I love mindset. I love digging into, into this thinking stuff, but there are, you know, the brain's designed it with this survival mechanism and, and so many people spend so much time in that anxiety and stress. They hate the nine to five. They hate their job. They hate going to work. They're in pain. And so their brain is dumping this adrenaline on a regular basis rather than dump, dumping the dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin that we're designed to have, experience joy, experience happiness, um, experience yeah. that break you talked about earlier, yeah. you know, and, and I think that, that anxiety and stress, that survival constant, I mean, literally their bodies are 24 hours a day in fight or flight mode. Yep. And we're not, we're not built for that. That, we're, that was we're built to be sheltered. We're built to be in a safe space for a period of time. And, right. and then we can experience the, the dopamine, oxytocin, and serotonin and endorphins that are designed to make us feel better. Yep. But instead, we're in that fight and flight mode, go to the doctor and say, man, I don't feel good. This ain't right. And of course, it's not right. And then the doctors give us all these other medications to change those things in ways that you know, further, I think further aggravate the issue, but, or at least numb the issue, which isn't, I don't think healthy for the majority of people, right? Because the brain's designed to take good care of us. The brain's designed to make us feel good. The brain's designed to warn us when it's bad. And, and, and I think a lot of it's been wound up and taken away, right? Those feelings have been numbed or, or worse, people are self-medicating with all the new stuff that's available and, and legal and <laughs> self-medicating yeah. at levels. I heard somebody was teaching at my Toastmasters group, you know, that Cheech and Chong's pot was like 4% potency, like two, 2% oh, yeah. to 4%. The average, the average marijuana at a dispensary in Colorado is 15%. But that oh, yeah. doesn't count the stuff that they're dabbing, and and the no. dabbing is like ninety percent potency, like, woo, crazy off the charts. People self medicating with with stuff like that, and uh, and not experiencing what their brain was really designed to protect them for. So yeah, it's it's a shame. I think people could could take so much better care of themselves if they could deal with their pain, and and emotions. So you mentioned that you know it's not convenient the crowd thing, but I think there's a lot that our, our system avoids educating us on finances and how money works. It avoids educating us on relationships and how relationships and communication work. And then, and then of course it avoids, you know, how we deal with our emotions. And so everybody's taught, don't be angry, shove that down. Don't deal with those things. And so, yeah, so I have a list of things that our system, the school system, especially doesn't just avoids well, all these things and and two of them really matter, right? Like financial literacy and relationship literacy, communicate not just intimate relationship, but just any relationship, right? So yeah. we have to learn those things on our own. And and a lot of people just don't. They, they don't get taught how to deal with relationships and how to how to deal with it themselves. Yeah, they've been uh unfortunately uh, again somebody's core values just as humans not as where you're from, not as what belief system you have, not as what political party you're affiliated with, but certain parties have embraced and certain parties have denied. And so schools take away or just omit, you know, channels of tension. And they're like, well, financial issues seem to be a political issue now. So let's just not teach our kids finance. And it's like, that's a basic survival skill in the 21st century. So we're we're, we're starting off kiddos with a bad start, you know, on a lot of this stuff. And I think environment, again, I keep coming back to environment. Like my grandpa said, if you, if you hang around with skunks, you're going to smell like one. And it's like, imagine that. Yeah. To that point though, if you're just hanging around angry people all the time who are always charged up and full of hatred and you know, even if you think they're right or wrong, We've all got people in our families like that too, but it's like, dude, that is so toxic. Are you hanging out with good people? Are you becoming balanced? Are you just drinking poison only? Or are you drinking like love? And and one last thing I'd say with when you mentioned oxytocin, there have been plenty of studies on this, and I'll skip through all of the scientific and just go straight to did you know people with higher levels of oxytocin tend to be, of course happier but here's the really interesting thing 
They tend to be willing to listen to opposing beliefs. They tend to be willing to listen and discuss opposing political viewpoints. They tend to be more accepting and less angry and less charged. Hmm. Wow, and more rational. And so what creates oxytocin? Human embrace, love, the feeling of acceptance, the feeling of self-care, like, so that would actually, you know, I always, for root cause and hating people groups shouldn't do that. It's like, why are they acting the way that they're acting? Maybe they're not loved or they don't feel loved. Maybe they grew up in a house where they were not loved. Maybe they're listening to a stream of media or what telling them they're hated, they're victims, they're this, they're that, they're the other. Have they ever sat across the table with somebody with an opposing belief system? Get in close, like have dinner with those people. See that they're real. They're they're really close to you. They're more close to you. They they have a lot of the same needs, survival instincts, and more that you. Um, it's a lack of love. I mean, just I know it sounds hippie, but it's like a lot of people are just in that fight or flight, you know, parasympathetic nervous system mode where it's like, man, they're just fueled by hate. And and those people without oxytocin are less likely to listen to opposing viewpoints, more likely to shout people down that disagree with them. Which, by the way, look at kids, man. They'll fight over toys all the time. You have to teach compromise. Like we're forgetting that. Just because we're in adult bodies, we think that we can shout or commit acts of violence to get our way. It's like you're just large children who don't have love. And I don't know, man. Like, how do you fix that? You know, they got to stop listening to bad voices and start listening well, you, to you and I. You and I both, I think, agree that that politics won't fix it. Entrepreneurs, no. entrepreneurs no. will, because no. entrepreneurs are the ones that understand it, and entrepreneurs are the ones that can activate solutions, and entrepreneurs are the ones that can make changes, because entrepreneurs are the ones that care about people. Yeah, it's they should most, but to your point, it's less about I need to become reelected, and more about how do I take care of these people, and then also make a positive impact for those who are buying our services. Us, as an example, and I won't pitch this or anything, but like. We exist solely to increase prosperity for our clients. That is literally our mission, to increase prosperity, to improve. So it's like, what does that mean? I am supposed to take their investment and try to make them way more money than they paid us, which automatically improves their family, their quality of life, all of their employees' lives, because they can disseminate, you know, and, and, and ideally give their, like all this stuff trickles down. Um, maybe they pay their staff better and maybe that fixes a, a single mother who's at home working two jobs. It's like, oh my gosh, you got a raise. Why? Well, that's because their, their company's finally being marketed well and they have plenty of business. And there's, this stuff is like domino effect stuff. So I, I do agree with you. Even if entrepreneurs' methodologies are a little off because we're weird, there's some weird ones. There's a lot of weird <laughs> No doubt about it. You're, you're, you're like tracking with these people like, man, everything you've said, I'm on board. And then at the end, they're like, and that's why aliens exist. And you're like, ah, oh, well, you know what? Let's keep cheering this guy on because the 99% of what he's doing is like, it's helping everyone in the world. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Like, that's not me. You know what I mean? But it's, uh, yeah, I, I love entrepreneurship. We're not worried about being reelected. We're just trying to like win and make the world a better place ideally and i'd say the majority of people who get into this space you have to have self-motivation you have to be resilient and persistent you have to learn how to work with other people or you won't succeed ultimately Some, you have to care about people because if you're not solving a problem you won't get paid that's right nailed it no. <laughs> yeah all right we're going to switch it up just back a little bit because sure. i want to know how important is play and fun in in your life and in building your business and Super fun. It's, it's, that's what I love to have. Like, it's very, very important to me. Maybe it's different for other people. And, and EO is again, a primary example, like this consortium, this group of people that have very eclectic backgrounds. We'll go to like a Christmas party or something and you'll meet, you know, the guy who owns a law firm, who's been like a bookworm his entire life. And he's in a suit, uh, you know, tied, you know, very quiet and hello there. And, and then you see the other guys who are just partying their face off because they're in like this, you know, millennial and Gen Z product marketing company and everybody and anybody in between. So I think it's different for everybody, but for me, fun is very important. So 
you know, I'm going camping this weekend. And that's, that's less like have a blast adrenaline rush. It's more try to disconnect and this place I like to do that. I love snowboarding and I love jet skiing. And I love hanging out and being social and, and having these conversations and then even deeper around like space and time and how those can morph. And we only understand what math proves, which is circular reasoning, which is like, because I can't prove it with math, it must not exist. It's like humans made math. We, we made it up. It's our, it's our, it's our best attempt at measuring our reality. And it's all we've done so far. And to say that we know everything and we're a speck on a, on a little planet around a sun, it's like, that is so ignorant. <laughs> so anyway. Well, and we made the language to explain the math, to explain the, the, the reality. Oh, it. I love it. All right, Tyler, you've just spent an hour with one of those guys having a beer having a conversation, but you were leaving with Tyler's words of wisdom, what would you share? Oh, man. Define your values and and make every decision in your life based on those values that you define. Yeses and nos. Make that super important. There's no shortage of motivation. There's no shortage of people who can do great things, and there's no shortage of right people, regardless of what situation you're in in life. Rich, poor, you know, whatever, capable, incapable, whatever you label yourself or the world labels you as. But if, if you can define your values, then you'll have a clear path to positive impact, which immediately results in self-fulfillment, which brings happiness. And so you're helping other people you feel accomplished. Uh, for those who need to hear it, you will be less angry. You will have purpose. You got to define your own values. Stop living by others. Define what yours are and, and go with that. <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Tyler. Thank you so much for hanging out today, having this conversation. Appreciate you, appreciate your heart, and appreciate the wisdom that you shared. Thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Tyler. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. ADDValueMindset.com. In our next episode, Travis Chapel. Travis is the founder and CEO of Guestio, a new software company that connects high-level guests with high-level content creators, and is the host of the top-rated show, Build Your Network.